Welcome to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast, where each week our goal is to simply get a better understanding of God's Word, the Bible. We hope you will get reading this amazing book and join us on this exciting journey. And now, here's your host, Pastor Mark Miner. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you again for stopping by to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. Our goal each week is to help you understand better this incredible book called the Bible. As I've said many times, we're not here to teach theology, not here to take a deep dive into some of the things that might be exciting, and I hope you would do that on your own. But simply, our goal here at the 24-Minute Bible Podcast is to connect the dots. Some people find the Bible a very frustrating, a difficult book, and, and it is in some ways, but so are we as people in this broken world. Uh, there are mysteries and uh, great uh, uh, wonderful things that God wants us to explore. And, and so he's given that to us in this incredible book that describes his creation, his universe, and our creation as well. So uh, thank you for being a part today. Uh, as we start episode uh, 106, uh, we're going to be looking at the book of Philippians. And even before I get into uh, this amazing book of Philippians, I want to mention a couple other things. Uh, if you have opportunity, you might check out the Facebook page. Uh, Facebook uh, is, if you just type in uh, 2424 Minute into your search engine, you'll be able to find the 24-Minute Bible Podcast Facebook page. And I usually put some maps, some graphs, some pictures, as I have for this episode, just to help you understand a little better uh, this incredible book called the Bible, and specifically the books that we've been studying for this past year as we've worked our way through the Bible. So, hey, thank you for being a part. Hope you enjoy today's episode. Hope you learned something. That's really, uh, I think, probably more important than anything else. Each week, as we've looked at books through the Bible, today, as I've mentioned, is a book of Philippians. Uh, each week, I've given you just a word or a phrase. Whether you remember it or not is uh, not totally important, but I want you to understand at least a general concept. For me, the, one of the better ways to put the Bible together is to at least grasp one thing from the book that I'm looking at out of the 66 books of the Bible. And today, the book of Philippians, one word, joy. Joy. Philippians is the book of joy, and we'll discuss that even more clearly here in just a few moments. Joy is the key phrase for the book of Philippians. Let's talk about background for just a moment. Uh, there, is a, there is a pattern in Paul's ministry. We see it throughout his letters. We see it throughout his life as described in the book of Acts. Uh, there was a pattern. And that pattern was usually goes something like this. Paul always went first to the synagogue in the city as a Jew, uh, as one who was trained as a Pharisee, and as one who really truly loved his people. Uh, he went to the synagogue first and would preach. Most often, uh, he would be removed, kicked out of the synagogue. Then he would go to the Gentiles. And then after the Gentiles, uh, there would be some commotion, some problems, as we'll see here in the book of uh, Philippians, the city of Philippi. And so then after going to the Gentiles, he would almost always go to prison. So from the Jews to the Gentiles to prison, that seems to be a pattern in Paul's ministry. Prison ministry is, is really a, a great thing. It's been a very formative thing in the lives of so many people. Uh, I had the opportunity some years ago where we live, uh, there was a prison that opened up nearby. Actually, we had a 
prophetic word that there, we were going to have a prison ministry. The only thing is we didn't have a prison here near us. But we began to, began to train, and lo and behold, the state of Illinois opened up a prison about four miles from where we're at. Before the prison opened to inmates, they gave the community an opportunity to come and to stay a night in the prison. Well, I took advantage of that opportunity. And I want to tell you, as one who's never been incarcerated, uh, it was a whole different world to be yelled at, to have your, uh, your, your clothing taken away from you and sign something to wear that uh, was just an ugly jumpsuit, uh, to eat meals when you were told to, and to go to sleep and to your room. Uh, it, was just a, it was just a different world, and it helped me even through the night. Uh, just stayed one night, thankfully, but uh, understanding what it must be, feel like for so many, not only of those who are incarcerated in our country and our world, but particularly those saints of God who have been incarcerated throughout history for the cause of Christ. Most of them found it a valuable resource and time in their life. There are many men of God who have had that life-changing experience. Let's just mention a few here as we're thinking about Paul's ministry, uh, particularly as he ended up so often in prison. Some of the ones who preceded Paul, there was Joseph. You might remember him, Joseph of uh, the 12 sons of Jacob, and he was in prison in Egypt. There was Daniel, Samson, Jeremiah was in prison. John the Baptist spent time in prison, of course, before he was beheaded. Peter spent time in prison. We read about that in the book of Acts. Uh, even Jesus, our Lord, was in prison that night before he appeared before Pilate. And then there's people who aren't mentioned in the Bible that had a prison experience. There was John Bunyan, who in 1675 was incarcerated. You might not remember John Bunyan, but perhaps you remember the book he wrote in prison, Pilgrim's Progress perhaps the most famous book of, and some people say, of all times. There was a gentleman that I had the privilege of meeting many years ago, Richard Warmbron, who spent 14 years in prison uh, for preaching the gospel in Romania, communist prison, hideous things done to him. After 14 years and $10,000 paid, he was released uh, from that prison. Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, spent time in prison right before he was uh, killed by Adolf Hitler and his henchmen. Watchman Nee who's written many, many books for the Christian realm, uh, spent much time in prison. Uh, Chuck Colson, who was Richard Nixon's attorney, ultimately went to prison because of some things that took place in Watergate, and he founded Prison Fellowship, which even today I'm a part of. Uh, as I mentioned, I spent some time in prison, and even as a church and as a group here, we have a prison ministry. I've spent most Saturday nights from 6 to 8 over the last 20 years in prison preaching to uh, the men that are there uh, and through an organization started by Chuck Colson called Prison Fellowship. So there's been many people who have experienced the prison life at some degree and some level, and which brings us to the Apostle Paul. At least seven times the Apostle Paul was imprisoned. We know he was imprisoned in Philippi, which is, of course, the subject of this episode. He was in prison in Jerusalem, Caesarea by the sea. He was in prison on a, on a ship, the ship that crashed into the island of Malta, if you're familiar with the book of Acts. He was imprisoned there. Uh, and he was imprisoned in Rome at least twice, one of them being uh, a house arrest, and perhaps the second one, which may have been subsequent to his death, 
uh, in a place called the Mamertine Prison. And I have a picture of the Mamertine Prison in Rome uh, where Paul, um, tradition holds, uh, almost certainly spent some time. So uh, at least seven encounters with prison through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Why am I saying this? Well, uh, Philippians is one of the four books called the prison epistles. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. All four of those books were written while Paul, while Paul was in prison. Together, these four uh, of the New Testament's 27 books comprise about 15 chapters out of the 260. So uh, at least 15 chapters of your Bible, of your New Testament, were written while by a prisoner, by an inmate in prison. Or another way of looking at it, 6% of the New Testament was written from prison. And if you include the book of Revelation, as John is in exile, in prison in a sense, not in a cell, but on an island, the island of Patmos, if you include that, a little over 7% of the New Testament is written by prisoners. So yes, there is a relationship between the gospel uh, and prison in many ways, particularly in the New Testament. Which brings us to the book of Philippians. Uh, Paul was in prison when he wrote the book of Philippians, and yet there's an amazing theme, as I've already referenced, that comes through uh, this book, it is the theme of joy. Let's talk about the experience here for just a moment that Paul had in this city in Macedonia. Remember, he had a vision, a heavenly vision that said, come over to Macedonia. And he answered that Macedonian call, as is it often said in Acts chapter 16. And he began to go toward uh, the areas of Macedonia and particularly ended up in the city called Philippi. In Acts chapter 16, you can read this entire saga, but it sets the stage for the book of Philippians. Let me share it and just in short order. Uh, Paul was walking through the streets of the city of Philippi, and a slave girl came who had an evil spirit. And by that evil spirit, she was able to predict certain things and make money for her owners. Paul healed the girl. The men that owned this girl, this slave girl with this evil spirit, uh, really got upset because now they lost money. She could no longer predict the future, not at least with the, with the demonic forces that were in her. And so they had Paul and Silas arrested. Paul and Silas are in jail in the city of Philippi. And are they claiming? Uh, are they complaining? Are they lawyering up? Or what are they doing? No, they're singing hymns in the middle of the night so that everybody in the entire prison can hear them. Somewhere in the course of the night, God answered the praise of Paul and Silas, and an earthquake came and opened up every door in the prison so that everyone could have escaped. The Philippian jailer began to take his own life, pulled out his knife, getting ready because he knew if he didn't do it, the Romans would soon take his life because he had allowed all the inmates to escape. He was getting ready to take his own life. Paul intervenes and says, no, don't do it. The jailer falls at Paul's feet after hearing the songs, after listening to this man speak, and he says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul shares with him this gospel that has changed Paul's life. And this Philippian jailer now becomes a Christian. He takes Paul and Silas out of the jail to his house where he feeds them, bandages up their wounds for they had been beaten. And then Paul speaks to the entire family and this Philippian jailer's entire family now come to accept faith in Jesus. The next morning, 
the magistrates come, they realize they've made a mistake, uh, and they come to the jail. Uh, there's Paul, Silas, the Philippian jailer, and they want to drop the charges against the Apostle Paul. But Paul, being a Roman citizen, and a Roman citizen cannot be beaten without a trial. The fact that he was Jewish was one thing. You could beat a Jew. You could beat a slave. But you could not beat or incarcerate a Roman citizen without due process. Paul was a Roman citizen. We talked a little bit about that last week. So Paul was a Roman citizen. So he wouldn't just go quietly into the day. He made the mayor of Philippi apologize to him for this oversight. And then Paul and Silas left the city. Now that's Acts 16. So there's the story. From that encounter and this time in Philippi, Paul is writing to the church that is now firmly established in the city of Philippi. So what is the theme? What is the purpose? Paul is in jail now, in jail in Rome, probably more of a house arrest than an incarceration in a cell. But nonetheless, his freedom is gone. He does not operate according to his own will, but by the will of his captors. But what is the theme? And this is really the whole premise of the book. Over 16 times, point number two under the concepts about the book of Philippians, over 16 times Paul uses the word rejoice or joy in the four chapters of this very short letter to the church at Philippi. Rejoice. In fact, we even see some verses here. I'll just recite a few of them. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Philippians 3, 1. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. You kind of catch a theme here, don't you? Philippians 1, 3. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. You see, Paul is filled with joy because of this transformation that has taken place in his life in all probability. And so he wants to encourage the church, even when they're suffering, as he was, even when they're incarcerated, as he was, to always choose the path of joy. It is not contingent upon the circumstances. It is contingent upon the relationship. And Paul had a relationship with this one, this Jesus, whom he met on the Damascus Road. So if you want to remember anything about the book of Philippians, uh, just know that 16 times you're going to be encouraged to rejoice or have joy in your life, no matter what the circumstances. I think that's amazing. A couple of other things as we uh, continue on through the four chapters of the book of uh, Philippians. Uh, one of them is found in chapter 2, and... Uh, it is uh, the nature of Jesus. Paul is writing, of course, some amazing things, the Holy Spirit through him. But in Philippians chapter 2, uh, it tells us, particularly in verses 6 through 11, uh, there is a verse, there is a passage of Scripture that thinking himself uh, <clears throat> not to be equal, he made himself of no reputation. And the Bible says in Philippians 2, 6, uh, and then it says, he emptied himself. And the word there in Philippians 2, 7 is the word kenosis. And it, words, it means simply to pour yourself out, to set aside those things that are of your nature and of your power. Now, why am I mentioning this? Well, this is a very deep theological point, and uh, people have discussed and debated this quite often, as Paul has rendered this understanding of Jesus here in Philippians 2, 7. Uh, 
uh, because there's some question about what that means. Perhaps uh, Paul, as he's writing of Jesus, who emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in human form, and becoming obedient even unto death, as the passage continues on, uh, maybe Paul is, Paul is perhaps suggesting that Jesus laid aside some of his divine attributes, didn't make, make him less God, and that's what Paul is saying here in this first passage in Philippians 2, but he's saying that perhaps his uh, omniscience, his all-knowing, we certainly see in the Gospels, there seem to be times when Jesus did not know everything, or at least he asked questions as though he didn't. And I think it's reasonable to also think about his uh, omnipresence. Jesus wasn't everywhere. He could not be everywhere at once. Whereas God the Father is everywhere, the Holy Spirit has that attribute. But Jesus laid aside those attributes. He emptied himself. Anyway, this is called the kenosis, the setting aside. And if you want to dig into some deep theology, uh, particularly concerning the character of Jesus, uh, this is a great place to start. So the nature of Jesus is, is more revealed in this passage of Scripture in Philippians as well. I would just kind of conclude or, or wrap up the book of Philippians, and I've really covered it very quickly here today, but uh, there are some references, uh, very, very intimate references to, to people, to the church at Philippi that he dearly loved, uh, but also to his co-workers, his students, his friends. We read some of those individuals in this, uh, uh, written about in the book of Philippi, all through Paul's prison letters and all through Paul's letters that he wrote in the New Testament, but some of the names, for example, Timothy. Paul writes about Timothy quite often. He's going to, of course, write two letters to Timothy. We'll study those in subsequent weeks, but um, Timothy is very close with Paul, and then there's Silas. Uh, Silas was Paul's travel companion, uh, really for most of the missionary journeys. Paul took three, uh, probably four, if we include his last one, uh, what's sometimes called missionary journeys as he traveled around over the 10,000 miles that he probably covered in the years of his ministry. Uh, but there's one individual that I would reference here that uh, is mentioned in uh, the book of Philemon uh, and that uh, is uh, very interesting, the relationship, and that is the gentleman known as John Mark. We would know him as Mark. Mark, the one who wrote the Gospel of Mark. On the first missionary journey, as they left Antioch and headed up to Macedonia and headed out to uh, the, the Lystria, Lystra and Derby and Iconium, that very first short, shorter missionary journey, uh, John Mark and Silas and Paul all went together. But something happened somewhere along the way in the region of Pamphylia. Mark left. Now, we don't know why he left, but he left Paul and Silas, and he abandoned them. Paul said he deserted them. Uh, Paul was sometimes given to strong language, but for whatever reason, whether it was out of fear, whether it was out of a commitment back home, we don't know for sure, but we know this for sure, that it really ticked off Paul, because when they got ready to go on the second missionary journey, uh, John Mark was suggested by Barnabas as someone to go with him, and Paul said, no way, I am not taking Mark with me. 
So uh, now, why am I simply saying this? Well, uh, we know as we read through, if you've ever traveled with a group of people, there's always differences. I want to go this way. I want to do this. Uh, different ideas and philosophies with a group that are traveling together. Uh, and it just reminds me of the humanity of Paul. It reminds me of the humanity of all of the gospel writers and all of the writers of the Bible. Whatever their differences were, and again, we don't know for sure, uh, those differences were settled later on. Uh, John Mark becomes a very dear friend of Paul, and uh, he travels with him on most of the other gospel journeys. And Mark is often, or excuse me, Paul is often asking for Mark and for what a helpmate and a friend and an encourager uh, that uh, Mark was to Paul. So whatever the situation, you may be involved perhaps in a, a church or a relationship and uh, particularly with other Christians, and it may not always go perfectly well for there are no perfect churches, there are no perfect groups, we're all humans, even though we might have had a relationship with Christ, there is still that sanctification, that ongoing work happening in our life. So whatever the difficulties may be, Paul and Mark had their difficulties so much that they separated for a period of time. But the wonderful blessing of God is that he brings us back together. And Paul and Mark were very much involved in the mission of spreading the gospel across the world. So the book of Philippians reminds us that no matter what our circumstances, no matter what our difficulties, no matter how hard or even sometimes how deceptive are the things that are done to us may be, Paul just encourages us to rejoice, to have joy in all circumstances. It certainly worked for Paul as he was singing and, and praising and rejoicing in the name of his Savior. The prison doors opened up for him. Perhaps that may be something that needs to happen in your life as you sing as you praise, as you give thanks in all circumstances, you might find that some prison doors in your life, maybe not literally, but symbolically, relationships and other things will open up as God moves in with his grace and mercy. The book of Philippians. Next week, we're going to be looking at the book of Colossians and talking about uh, what Paul is writing to the church at Colossae as he's there in the prison. So uh, we'll be seeing what God has to say there. If you want to do a little homework and get ahead, that's fantastic. Go ahead and read the book of Colossians. In fact, I encourage you just to read through all of these books as we just skim the surface to help you to understand one tenet, one uh, little phrase, one idea to be able to hook all of the Gospels and all of the letters together in the New Testament. In fact, how to put the entire Bible together. Hey, thank you for being a part. hope this has been helpful to you. And I uh, look forward to seeing you next week on the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-Minute Bible Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and look forward to continuing this journey to understanding the Bible, please subscribe to our channel. And if you would be so kind, share it with your friends who might enjoy it. We would also love it if you would leave us a review. It really does help us. Join us next week for another episode as we work our way through the Bible book by book. Have a blessed week.